blessing. All right. How many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Will you hold up the Word of God? Let's, uh, let's open our Bibles, if you will, to the Gospel of John, chapter 4 tonight. The Gospel of John, chapter 4. And I want to read a uh, couple of verses here and then just use this story to uh, kind of launch, launch us into our soul-winning uh, campaign for the summer months as we move toward our special day. John chapter 4, I have an old Schofield Bible, if you do, it's page number 1118 in the old Schofield Bible or the fourth gospel, the gospel of John chapter 4. Now don't forget our service here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. I hope you'll be here for that and we're looking forward to having a good time together uh, Wednesday night at 7, and we're trusting the Lord to give us a good time next Sunday. Can you believe next Sunday is already Memorial Day Sunday? Good night. Uh, have, have, we ain't got our Christmas tree down yet. It's been, this year's gone so fast. And here we are already to Memorial Day, the unofficial start of summertime. And I think, I think we got a, a, a week earlier start than that, don't you? I came by the uh, bank today. It had 93 degrees on the bank. And uh, so it was a hot day today. But anyway, uh, we're looking forward to these exciting days coming up, and I want to lay some, say, uh, some things out for you here uh, this evening. John chapter 4, if you're there, would you say amen? All right, at 6 o'clock, straight up. Let's see if we can do this in about 30 minutes, all right? Look at verse number 3. The Bible said, He left Judea. Jesus left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Now, verse 4, I want you to notice this. Here's what the Bible said, and he must needs go through Samaria. He must needs go through Samaria. Let's pray. Father, bless your word tonight, I pray, and speak to our hearts. And God, may you light a fire in the heart of every member of our church as we move into this exciting time of the history of our church God help us, we pray. And the Lord, not just to talk about it, and not just want to come and see what happens, but be a part of that, which is going to happen. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. As you know well by now, June the 23rd is going to be our 100th anniversary homecoming Sunday. And if you do get the math, or do the math, and get the calendar out, you'll find out we're just six short weeks away from that important day which calculates to be 42 days, 1,008 hours, or 60,480 minutes. And I said all that to say this, before you know it, uh, homecoming day is going to be here. And one of the things that we want to do on that homecoming day is we want to celebrate 100 years of ministry here in the city and the surrounding area of Winston-Salem, North Carolina. But I can't think of a better way to celebrate than uh, that than to do what we've been trying to do for the past 5,200 Sundays that our church has been in existence. That is, number one, we want to fill up the house of God on that particular day. You know, Jesus even said that about his house. He told that fellow, he said, go out in the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be... You know, Jesus wants a full house. <laughs> and uh, we got a good crowd here tonight. But, uh, man, let's really work hard to get the house of God full. Then, second of all, we want to preach the gospel to lost people that Sunday. And uh, we've been trying to do that for 5,200 Sundays before that. And then, number three, we want to invite people to receive the Lord Jesus as their Savior. 
and to help us to accomplish that goal of <coughs> filling up the house of God, we have planned to have not only homecoming day, but also friend day to coincide with our 100th anniversary homecoming day. That's a day that we've set aside to really make an emphasis to reach out to our friends and to try to get them into the house of God on that particular day. I say again, I want you to hear me. I want to say, I'll probably say this every Sunday from, from now till then, but I say again, June the 23rd potentially could be the biggest day in the 100-year history of our church. You know, Brother Baker last Sunday night reminded us that, uh, that our heart will determine our part. Our heart is going to determine our part. So in these Sunday evenings leading up to June the 23rd, I just, I'm just going to preach every Sunday night and try to challenge us and encourage us to do our best on that particular day. Do your best on June the 23rd. Don't show up without a friend here on June the 23rd. Now, I've already been out, went out this week. I know others have gone out this week, and I've already started getting some cards filled out. And this coming Wednesday night, we're going to take time to go section by section by section, let you stand up and just give us a name to pray for, and then get the card filled out, and we'll have the board up Wednesday night. And we're going to move into this thing wholeheartedly as uh, we, we press toward June the 23rd. Now, tonight I had you open your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter number 4. And if you look at verse number 4, we have one of those must of the Savior. One of those must of the Savior. You know, the life of the Lord Jesus was filled with must. really was. The first must that we find out in the life of our Savior is back in Luke chapter 2 and verse 49. And Jesus said to Mary, his mother, and to Joseph, his foster father, at the age of 12, while sitting in the house of God, Jesus said, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not that I must, I must, be about my Father's business. Would to God that was our must, that we were about our Father's business. And then just a chapter or two over, we run into the second must of the Savior because in Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, for therefore am I sent. Jesus said, I must be about my Father's business, and I must preach the gospel. But I'll tell you what, two good must. And then here's another must of the Savior. Over in the Gospel of John, chapter 10 and verse number 16, Jesus said, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Jesus said, Now I got more than just what you see right here. I got a bunch out there that's not in the fold yet, but I must bring them in. And then look at this must. Here's the must of all must. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 21, from that time forth Jesus began to show in his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, be raised again the third day. He must be killed and raised again the third day. But here's the must I want to focus on tonight. Look at verse number 4. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Now, Samaria for the Jew, the Orthodox, Orthodox Jew, was a spiritual no man's land. That's right. The Bible said back up in verse number 3 that Jesus left Judea and he headed for the, the place, the province of Galilee. 
Now, can I describe this to you? This may help you just a little bit because in the time and in the days of the Lord Jesus, the, the land of Israel was divided into three sections. If you went down south, you were in the land of Judea. If you went up north, you were in the land of Galilee. But in between the, the Judea and Galilee was a place called Samaria. Now, if you left Judea and you were on your way to Galilee, it was going to be a day's, uh, about a six-day's journey from Judea all the way up to the land of Galilee. However, you could cut through Samaria. And if you cut through Samaria, it would cut your journey in half. If you walk through Jamaria, uh, if you walk to Samaria to get to Galilee, it was only about a three-day's journey. But now here's the thing. No Jew in the right mind, was going to set foot in Samaria. You see, Samaria was considered to the Jew to be a forbidden territory. It was a despised territory. These Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. Now what you've got to do is go way back in the Old Testament and find out when the Assyrians attacked the northern kingdom of Israel and uprooted them and carried them off into captivity. In the Assyrian captivity, they left some of the poorest of the land, some of the poorest of the Jews there. Then they brought some of their people in to live amongst those Jews, and it wasn't long till they intermingled. They got married and started having babies, and a group of people called the Samaritans was born. Now, I'll tell you something. The Jews looked down with great disdain and great disgust upon these Samaritans. No Jew in his right mind would set foot in that area because they had lost their racial purity and they were a despised people. So let me say it like this. Samaria was off limits to the Jews. Any Jew leaving Judea going to Galilee would walk three days out of their way just to keep from going into the land of Samaria. But here we find in our text, the Lord Jesus said, I must, I must needs go to and through the land of Samaria. Aren't you glad we got a Savior? Thank God that'll pass through Samaria. Amen. He's the good, he's the good Samaritan who's on ditch patrol. Amen. And he passed through the land of Samaria. Now here's my whole message tonight. Why did Jesus... Why did Jesus have to go through Samaria? Well, there are three reasons I find in our text tonight as we build up toward this, three reasons that we find in this text why Jesus had to go through Samaria. First of all, number one, look in our text, he went through Samaria, had to go, number one, to supply life to a wicked sinner. To supply life to a wicked sinner. You see, one of the reasons that Jesus must go through Samaria, he needed to go through there was because there was a woman that had a messed up life who needed him. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves people whose lives are all messed up? Aren't you glad Jesus got time for people whose lives are all messed up? Well, we read about this woman now beginning in verse number 6 and following how this woman came out to the well. And the Bible said that she came there, Jesus rested on the well. It was about the sixth hour of the day. Now, we understand uh, in our terminology and in, in our time elements that the Jewish day went from 6 o'clock in the morning to 6 o'clock at night. So if Jesus sat on that well and it was the sixth hour of the day, it was around lunchtime, 12 o'clock, high noon, that Jesus sat on that well. And it went long until a woman 
a woman of Sychar, a woman of Samaria came out to where Jesus was. And Jesus engaged her. Jesus had, a, had an encounter with a woman of Samaria. Now, there's two things we can say about this woman from this text. Number one, we can say that she was morally which she was morally destitute. You see, we find a little bit later in the story that this woman has been married five times and she's shacked up with a number six. That's right. She's been married five times and she's living with a sixth man. Now that kind of clues us in a little bit on the moral condition of this woman's life and the moral condition of this woman's heart. No doubt, no doubt a lot of men in the city of Sychar, knew who this woman was. Her reputation preceded her. She had lived a very troubled life. She had lived a very tumultuous life. Her attitude toward marriage testified of the problems of her heart. Can I stop and say this? You know what wrong? You know what's wrong with lost people? It is a problem of the heart. Our government doesn't recognize that. Our government sees all that's going around and they enact laws trying to stop this or stop that or get people to quit this or quit that. But until we wake up and realize the problem of humanity is a problem of the heart, a spiritual condition of the heart. Can I tell you something? Her life was messed up because her heart was messed up. Aren't you glad there's a Savior that's got a cure for a messed up heart? So here she comes out to the well that day with all that guilt and with all that humiliation and with all that baggage of a past life, here she comes out to a well unbeknownst to her. She's coming to a meeting that's going to change the rest of her life. She was morally destitute. But can I say number two, if you'll look again at verse 6 and verse 7, she was socially despised. She was morally destitute but she was socially despised. Now, the reason I say that, nobody wanted anything to do with this woman. Because of the life that she had lived, nobody in that culture, in that area, wanted anything to do with her. I say that on the basis, again, of what we read in verse 6, that she came to draw water at the sixth hour. Now, let me tell you something. Sixth hour, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the hottest part of the day. Jesus is sitting there on that well when this woman came to draw water from the well. Again, it's 12 o'clock. It's high noon, and it's hot. Now, it was usually the woman of that particular day that had the very monotonous, the very mundane task of gathering water for their families. But the thing is, what the women would do, they'd either go out in the cool of the morning or else they would wait until the, the, the sun had, had gotten weaker and, and the temperatures had cooled in the latter part of the afternoon to go draw their water from the well. But now we read that this woman came at the hottest part of the day. Maybe that explains why she came then. She couldn't have anything to do, or maybe the other women of that society wouldn't have anything to do with her. Maybe she was so humiliated and so guilty because of everything that she had did that she thought nobody else wanted anything to do with her. Maybe all the other women of the city looked at her as being taboo, as off limits. Maybe they looked at her as being a woman that was after their husband because of her reputation, because of all that she had been caught up in and she had been involved in. Those women didn't want anything 
anything to do with her. But here she comes with all that baggage from her life, all the messes that she had made, all the marriages that had failed, all the men that she had been with. But aren't you glad Jesus was sitting there waiting on her, waiting to engage her and to show her kindness and respect? The Lord Jesus sat upon that well. In fact, she seems to be a little bit amazed by the compassion of the man sitting on the well. Look at verse 9. Here's what she said. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. She couldn't believe the kindness and the respect and the compassion with which Jesus spoke to her. And by the way, can I stop and say this? Look, we live in a beat-up world. Uh, every day you and I rub shoulders with people whose lives are messes. There's been failed marriages. There's been one relationship after the other. There's been one, there's been one uh, evil association after another evil so association. They're beat up. They're addicted to drugs. They're hooked on alcohol. Their life is a real mess. The last thing they need is for me and you to look down our pious religious nose and speak to them as if they were less than we are. They need somebody to show a little respect and a little kindness and be a, have a little bit of compassion or Look, they've been beat up by the devil. They've been beat up by the world. If there's anybody that ought to have compassion on them, it ought to be the people of God. After all, the Lord sure had compassion on us, didn't he? Instead of turning up our nose at him. And by the way, I think Brother Baker may have touched on something the other night when he said to us, we no longer know lost people because we don't associate with them anymore. Now, come up close. I'm not talking about going to the beer joints they go to and the drug houses they go to. I'm not talking about going to the nightclubs they go to. I'm not even, I'm not even going there. But whatever happened to loving sinners? Whatever happened to being a friend? Jesus, the Bible said, was a friend of sinners. We don't have to partake of their, of their, of their sin to love them and to speak with them in kindness and respect and compassion. Let me tell you why Jesus went through Samaria. I'll tell you why. He was going to supply life to a wicked sinner. Before the story is over, they've gotten a conversation about water. Jesus all at once comes around the corner, starts talking to her about water, that if she'll drink, she'll never thirst again. Her mind is still on natural, physical water and natural, physical thirst. But before the story is over, she's took a drink of that eternal, everlasting water whereby she'll never thirst again. In fact, if you don't believe that, you'll find out she even left her water pots that day. Yes, sir. She, took, she found what she was looking for. She found that which would satisfy her forever because Jesus can still supply life to a wicked sinner. Amen. So he passed through that area. He had to go to supply life. Number two, watch this. Not only did he have to go to supply life, but number two, he had to go to satisfy longing for winning souls. I mean, Jesus had a longing to win souls. Now, you and I know that while Jesus was here on earth, the Bible tells us of all the things that he did. I mean, while he was here on this earth, we have the record of him, him the, the feedings that he made and the miracles that he did and the calming of the seas. Indeed, Jesus did amazing things while he was here on this earth. But can I tell you something? He didn't come just to stop raising seas. 
He just didn't come just to feed empty, hungry bellies. He didn't come just to heal sick bodies. He didn't come just to raise dead people. You know why he came? He came for souls. He came because he loved sinners. Jesus was all about winning souls while he was here on this earth. Look over at verse 34 of this same chapter. Jesus said, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Jesus was all about doing the will of God. And what is the will of God? The will of God is for mankind to be saved. And Jesus said, Look, I've I got something to eat, fellas. Y'all don't know anything about. And my meat is to do the will of God. In fact, Jesus said this about himself. Luke 19 and verse 10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Hey, can I tell you why Jesus left the ivory palaces of glory and jumped from Jupiter to Mars and swung over the Milky Way and came to this old mud ball of sin? He came to die on Calvary so that souls might be saved. But I want to tell you something. There is nothing more satisfying, nothing more gratifying to the child of God, nothing more glorifying to the Son of God than when you and I are winning souls to Jesus. Jesus went through that area. Let me tell you why. He was hungry for souls. He was looking for souls. He was longing. He had a great desire to see somebody accept him as personal Lord. And so, you know, I'm praying for that. I'm praying for that, that God would create within us during this 100-year celebration a hunger and a desire to win somebody to Jesus. Can I tell you something? If you feel your heart cold and indifferent and callous to the things of God, nothing will light your fire any quicker than winning a soul to Jesus. Nothing, if you're here tonight and you say, I'm so miserable, I don't even know what to do. Nothing will bring you any more joy than leading somebody to Jesus. Nothing will give you that deep down sense of satisfaction and fulfillment like winning a soul to Jesus. And I know what some of you are thinking. Boy, the preacher is really turning the heat up on us, isn't he? About winning souls. Hey, can I stop and say this? We ought to always have the heat up on us to win souls. I mean, for me to say in this 100th year anniversary of our church, for me to say, boy, we're going to major on soul winning this year. Can I tell you something? That's like saying this. Uh, airplanes ought to major on passengers. Stupid, man. Of course airplanes, airlines, manage uh, major on passengers. Train, uh, train companies ought to major on transportation. That's crazy. That's why they're in business for it. Can I tell you something? It ain't that I'm turning the heat up on us. I'm just trying to call us back to doing what we ought to be doing all along, winning people to Jesus. That's what we are doing here on this earth as the people of God. That's the way it's supposed to be. We are here. We are here. To, to win people, to bring people into a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So watch this now. Here's my third point. I'm going to preach a little bit on this and we're going to go. To supply life to a wicked sinner, he had to go. To satisfy longing for winning souls, he had to go. But now number three, stay with me just a minute. Number three, I want to say this. Jesus had to go through there to show laborers their wrong situation. Now, what am I talking about here? Well, I want you to look in the story because there's something about this story that really, really jumped out at me recently about this story. Now, watch this. Let me, let me, I, I won't even read any verses. I just want to put this where you get it at. Listen to this. So when they get to Sychar, 
to where Jacob's well is. Jesus, the Bible said, was wearied, according to verse 6, on his journey. So he sat on the well. It was the sixth hour. The disciples, meanwhile, have gone away into the city of Sychar to buy some food for them something to eat. While they are in the city of Sychar at Food Line or, or McDonald's or wherever, they're at buying the food. Meanwhile, meanwhile, back at the well. Meanwhile, back at the well, Jesus is talking to this woman about something that she desperately needs. And, and man, I mean, they're carrying on this conversation, and it isn't long until this woman that's been married five times, shack it up with number six, gets gloriously saved. Right after she gets saved, she leaves her water pots and runs to the same town the disciples are in where they're there buying groceries. And, and the Bible said, now watch this, the Bible said that in a little while, both of them come back. Now don't miss this, this is the whole message. Both of them come back. And when the disciples come back, they're bringing food. And when the woman comes back, she's bringing friends. Now, wait a minute. There's something wrong, <laughs> something wrong about this. Y'all help me figure this out. I mean, you would think those who know him best would have went to town and, okay, get, get food but bring some friends and food back to him. You would think, I mean, these disciples knew. They'd already met him. They'd been living with him, walking with him, hearing him preach, watching the miracles he's doing. You would think when they went to Sychar, they'd go over there, yes, I need, uh, I need three McDoubles, a large chocolate milkshake, five orders of French fries. By the way, won't you come see a man by the name of Jesus that you need to know? Let me introduce you to the Messiah. Why don't you come... But no, 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 those disciples, those who knew him best, come back with food. This woman that just met him comes back with friends. Now, if that's not a picture of the last day's church, I don't know what is. You know where most of us are at today in our spiritual walk with the Lord? Those of us who know him best, and I said us, those of us who know him best, we're coming bringing the food. Or oh, somebody just got saved, just met him, got friends, bringing their friends back to Jesus. Listen, listen, can I tell you something? Those of us who know him best, we ought to be, we ought to be bringing our friends to Jesus. Hey, let's don't be professional followers. Hey, we can quote the books of the Bible. We know there's an Old and a New Testament. We, we know that there's four Gospels, and we know that there's, there's, uh, uh, there's uh, we know other stuff. We know all about all that. We can dot our I's, cross our T's, our hymn lines are long enough, our hair is short enough. I mean, we, we, we got it going on. We got all this settled. Question. Hey, when's the last time you brought somebody to Jesus? When's the last time you grabbed a friend by the hand and said, come see a man? <laughs> hey, let me, let me take you over here and introduce you to somebody you not, you've got to know. It's almost like, and I've been saying, hey, we've got to bring a lot of food. We've got to bring a lot of food. We've got to bring a lot of food that day because it's going to feed a lot of people. 
please bring your food that day when you come that day because we've got to feed a lot of people. But don't forget your friends. Don't forget your friends. <clears throat> let's don't be like these. Let's don't be like these disciples were. I mean, educated, know him, know all about him, but not bringing anybody to him. I mean, in the same town that she was in, rubbing the shoulders with the same crowd she rubbed shoulders with, talking to the same people that she talked to, and all they could bring back was food. Well, she brought back the entire town and said to them, Come see a man who told me all things ere I did. Is not this the Christ? And the whole town come up and met him and got gloriously saved from the testimony of one old woman. Yes, sir. Are you bringing friends to Jesus? Now, we're building, listen to this, we're building our summertime soul-winning contest around this, uh, this year, around everything that's going on right now. Really are. So what we're going to do is we're going to start on Wednesday night of this week. This coming Wednesday night, uh, I, I tell you what, this Wednesday night, let's just, to, to not complicate anything, let's just show up at 5.30 on Wednesday night. And what we're doing is we're calling our summertime soul-winning contest this, this year. We're calling it hashtag, say it with me, fish. Now, why are we calling it fish? Well, one of the analogies that Jesus used in the Bible for soul-winning was fishing. Follow me. I will make you to become So one of the analogies that Jesus used, hey, Jesus said, this is, this is what soul-winning is, is fishing for men. So our summertime soul winning contest is going to be hashtag fish. Now, again, what we've got here, we've got four sections. we got the F section, the I section, the H, I'm sorry, fish. I misspelled that. F-I-S-H, right? What section are y'all? All right, hashtag fish. The F stands for find them. The I stands for invite them. The S stands for share with them. And the H stands for help them. And what we want to do over these next several weeks, we want to find them, invite them, share Jesus with them, and help them into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Hashtag fish. You with me? Now, let me tell you how, let me lay it out how it's going to work. Now, starting on Wednesday night, Travis, are you over this section this year? Son, you had a bad attitude last year. You got, you got a better attitude this year? All, all you know is we won, okay. And by the way, we're feeding y'all next Sunday night, okay? And we're going to award y'all. So, Travis, you be over this section, all right? How many of y'all think we need to fire the guy that was over this section last year and just start all over again? You want it? Huh? All right. You got it. Brother Mark, y'all kind of had it out last year over here. Are you good? All right. 
Right, Brother Vic, you going to keep score? Always. You going to cheat, Brother Vic? No, sir. All right, here we go. So for everybody that shows up Wednesday night, you're going to get one point. Now, what I've done is I've ordered a bunch of cards about Friend Day. What we want to do is we just want to get out in this area. We'll draw four sections like we did last year. 52 will be our dividing line, section, 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 section. And we want to get into these neighborhoods and just invite people to Friend Day. Are you with me? And then here's the kicker now. For everybody that shows up, you're going to get one point. And then for every friend that you bring with you on Friend Day, we're going to give you five points. So, Brother Matt, say Brother Matt brings uh, two families with him. He got ten points. Ten points for his team. Are you with me? He got ten points for his team over here on Travis' side, the F section. All right? So, we got, we got one point for showing up. And for everybody you can get to come with you on Friend Day, you say, how? What if they don't set my section? It don't matter if they set in your section. Can I tell you something? They're going to be setting everywhere on Friend Day. I mean, they're probably, we're going to have to open the doors and set in the hall on Friend Day. They don't have to sit in your section, but if you personally invited them to come, that's your fish. You count them. Brother Matt, if your people come that day and they sit over here in this section, you still count them. You got them here, not them. Brother Mark, if you got 25 people that show up on that Sunday and they're sitting everywhere, it don't matter. You count them. You invited them. How many of y'all with me on that? So we got one for just showing up on Wednesday nights. We got five points for every friend that you bring with you that particular day on that Sunday. And then at, you say, Brother Tim, that's only going to last until the 23rd. What about all that follow-up we're going to have to do then? There's no telling potentially how many cards we're going to get in over these next several weeks. I hope you will. How many of y'all have already been filling out your cards? Okay, three of us. Wonderful. Fill your cards out. Because Wednesday night, we're going to give them in the offering plate and start putting them on the board so we can start praying over them. So, and then we've got to follow up all these cards throughout the, this whole summer. So this is going to last a pretty good while. And then guess what we're going to do for the winning section? You know what we're going to do? Have a fish fry. Hush puppies, slaw, and fish, and lots of ketchup. Fish fry for the winning section this year. And a great big fish trophy for winning hashtag fish. All right? What section are y'all? How many of y'all going to come? Just show up. Help us on these Wednesday nights, please. Help us on these Wednesday nights. We want this community to know, hey, we're here. We love you. You're invited to this special day. There's no telling what's going to happen. we got to pray, but there's no telling what's going to happen. If we'll just quit bringing in the food and start bringing back friends. Don't be professional followers who can dot every I and cross every T. Hey, let's go after people. Let's speak to them with respect and kindness and compassion, and let's bring them to meet the man who can change their life for time and eternity. Let's bow our heads. Father.